I'm Liz Gold, and you're listening to Conversations. Stories about strength, courage, and making it through. I'm glad you're here. I'm your host, Liz Gold. Today's guest is MJ Richardson. And before I bring her on, let me tell you a little bit about her. Marjuel MJ Richardson is an accomplished career woman and entrepreneur. As a lifelong learner, she's entered Felton Institute's Senior Community Services Employment Program, where she has flourished. She has helped people like herself find their inner strength, confidence, and skills. She has helped to put them on a course for employment through her work at SCEP. Her education in merchandising and her past work, along with her passion for helping others find self-worth and hope, led her to organize successful events, many makeovers at Sephora, and a clothes closet and fashion show, which transformed seniors from the inside out. In addition, MJ developed a hygiene kit for homeless people. Now she is creating a mask in a bag for her homeless neighbors in San Francisco. Welcome to the show, MJ. Thank you. Hello. Yay. So glad that you're here. And I know you're in San Francisco, so... How long have you lived there, and can you sort of describe the neighborhood where you are? I have been in senior housing right downtown San Francisco for two years. It took me seven years to get in senior housing, but the location is fabulous. I'm across from the convention center, and I'm right in the heart of San Francisco and living economically in San Francisco. Yeah, which is very hard to do these days, I know. And so how is it? right now with all of the fires? Because I know San Francisco has been really right in the middle of all of that. Well, you know, it comes and goes and all of that. I can see a bluer sky today and it's a little overcast. Luckily, we get a fog and that kind of helps and dampens. But it's been in the high 80s and 90s up here and we're not experiencing the fires per se. It's up Napa, which is about an hour away in Sonoma and up there. But we get the overdraft of the smoke. And so that's kind of, you just have to pay attention and be real careful and wear our masks and uh, wear any kind of protection distance and do all the things we need to do. Yeah. Because not only do you have the fires, but we also have the pandemic, which we're going to talk about shortly. But you know, I wanted to say you like you've had like a very successful career doing a number of enterprising endeavors from like working at IBM to consulting to event planning. And now you're creating masks in a bag, which I have to say I have two of them, which is they're so nice. I always get so many compliments on them. And can you talk about what is mask in a bag and how did it come about. Right. Because I live downtown San Francisco, we've forgotten about our neighbors. And once I got this housing downtown, I realized going out the door, I would see all these massive people hungry, just hungry. And I said, I can make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and I can make a lunch like we grew up with bologna and all of that. And so I was making lunches and doing that. And so finally, when this COVID started, I said, gee, they need to protect themselves. I can make a bag. I can make a mask. (laughs) I can't sew at all, by the way, okay? So I found someone who was a senior who said he'd be willing to do the production and I would just pick the fabric and give it direction. And then I thought, after you take that mask off, what do you do with it? You throw it in your pocket or your purse? So I came up with, well, why don't we put it in our bag 
<laughs> so that's how that is. But mass in the bag is a mass with a purpose, okay? So first it protects you and me, but more importantly, it feeds the homeless population, which I call my neighbors in the Bay Area. It also creates business because these are all seniors that are we're owning our own business and creating jobs. The other thing is that part of the money that goes to it either helps feed the or feed the homeless or it goes to a charity of your choice, like one lady's giving what she sells or buys to St. Jude. So it just becomes a world that works for everyone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and so can you talk to us about how other seniors are involved? I mean, and how this has sort of turned into an enterprise for a lot of the people around you? Well, the first thing I want to talk about is one of the major players, which I won't say the store right now because I really want this to be a big box and a partnership with big stores. But two stores have come on board who have managers and they have bought the masks and have all their employees wearing them. And so from there, it has kind of had a life of its own. And because we are doing it that. What happens is if you are doing something from your heart, people want to do something and they're not quite sure. So basically I was feeding the homeless out in the streets, my neighbors, because I was walking by them every day. So I just enrolled one of the stores that we all go into all the time. And I said, can you help me feed these people? Because they were giving their food to the food bank. And I, she said, well, we give our food to the food bank. And I said, well, you got five people out here that are hungry right in our neighborhood. And so she said, why don't I hold some food back and you can pass it out? So two years later, which is really where we are, we have fed over a thousand people and just myself. And I only live in 400 square feet. So my mass has taken over my apartment, but I love it. <laughs> so in that she's become someone based on her corporation, but just her goodwill that we've been able to feed that many people. So when COVID hit, the next thing that happened is I said, I can figure out somebody to sew the mask. And so a friend who was making masks for another charity had an older gentleman who was a minority who had been in this business for years. And she said, Jay, making masks, I'll have him run part of your production. I said, okay, that would be great. Well, his expertise is so the reason you like the mask is that it is so well done. It has a lining. It is done by a professional. He, is, he keeps telling me he's retired. I said, you can't retire. We're not finished yet. <laughs> so he, <laughs> God's not finished with this. We have a purpose here, okay? Yeah. So he has been a cut and sew person and had a 30-year production in the Bay Area. Well, he has the power machines and people who are all seniors who are retired sewing the product. So you can see this has a life of its own because, and again, really, we're not making money, but it's the joy of making a difference. Right. And so we're able to give out a mass and people, the food it allows me to buy more food. And just when you are helping someone help themselves, it just lifts us all up. Yeah. So that's who's involved. Okay. And another man just gave me $50 and he said, I want to do something with cannabis. And I said, I'm going to buy some cannabis. <laughs> fabric and, and we'll make cannabis mass and, and then you can figure out what charity you want to help with, right? So San Francisco's always had a great heart. I was born in San Francisco and then grew up in Southern California and moved back this way about seven years ago, waiting for senior housing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you have to be pregnant and 80 to get senior housing downtown San Francisco. Mm -hmm. But because I was so blessed, I honestly, honestly knew that I needed to do something. And so Mass in the Bag is the first product. What I like about it, too, and I think what people see in the product is that it's first, it's well-made. 
Secondly, it supports our area, but also they like the ethnicity of the cloth. So I've done many cloths from India, uh, China, African, and then just your Hawaiian. And so it's the ethnicity that I see San Francisco in that I've been able to bring into my mask that people just say, wow, I really like this. And that just makes my heart smile. You know, it just makes me yeah. smile. Well, the masks feel so good. I mean, if you're going to have to wear a mask on your face, like, you know, your fabric feels really good and it looks good. I mean, it's just so, it's so nice. And it's washable, by the way. Yes. So you started out basically feeding your homeless neighbors, PB&J, and then you were like, okay, I want to start making masks for them. And you also approached a big box store, which we will not name, in your neighborhood mm-hmm. that helped sort of... Or no, they-, they, gave, they gave me, because they were in the convention center and they're yeah. right downtown, they had food that they were giving, the excess food, mm-hmm. because it has a pool date on it. They right. were giving all the rest of the food that they didn't sell to the food banks. Well, now the food banks need that <laughs> food, right? Plus, the conventions haven't been going on. So basically, that customer basically who I who was giving me food but she was giving me like 50 meals a week and when she ran out and she didn't have food to give me she would just go pull it off the shelf not that the full day it was like okay we only had 200 people today so, and I still have 50 meals left so here MJ and then I would pass them out <laughs> okay? and this has all been through during the pandemic this is before the pandemic gotcha. once the pandemic stopped okay what started that's when I said, okay, I can do my PG, my peanut butter and jelly and my bologna, and then I put uh, orange in there or some cuties, and, and maybe I'll bake a cake and send them a love note. And then I said, I can't do what we were doing, but I can always do 10 meals a week, right? So she then said, I want to be a part of this. How can I help you? And I said, well, I'm going to make masks because... <laughs> And she said, how can I help? And that is the spirit in which she's joined me. Now I'm working towards the big picture with them, right? But she's a neighbor too, right? She's right down the street. She sees the same people every day I see. And she wanted to make a difference. There's another store that's a cannabis store in my neighborhood. They bought water for me. So now my homeless had, my neighbors had water. This has been such a pouring out of people making a difference that it just it makes my heart sing it just does anybody can do anything okay i can do that what what could other people do just within their families right right i mean you've started this whole thing i mean your masks are going everywhere so so how when how many masks did you first make when you were like, okay, I'm going to do mask in a bag. This is what I'm doing. And how many masks did you end up making for that first run? Well, what I did is I picked out like one yard of material. And my idea is that because I have another box store and they kind of already branded what they have, I said, okay, I think they'll buy my product because I'm already going to, I'm kind of a merchandising brand person. Okay. And I've always sold high end. So I think the rich and famous can buy anything, but if they were going to buy my mask, then anybody would buy it. That, that's just my philosophy of life, okay? Mm-hmm. So I said, I'm going to buy a Hawaiian <laughs> fabric, <laughs> and they're going to get the idea that I make a great mask, and I'm going to just give them one to look at. Well, guess what? 
I now am on my third order for them. So 12 masks in different assortments will get you where you want to go. And then I go out and stand out there and see what people think of it, right? Then I had a cannabis store, right? So I made a couple cannabis. And of course, they loved it. So uh-huh. that's kind of how I've moved along. And, you need masks uh, with cannabis on the masks. The, yeah, 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 the fabric on the mask, yeah. okay? Cause I, and they had let me sell merchandise in there before because I have other artists that I have helped move their product. And to be continued, okay, because I, I have a lot of wonderful things that are artists that don't know how to market product. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I love that that you can help them market the product. Are the masks available to anybody who wants to buy them? Yes. Now, there is a company, and I think we're almost ready, uh, Born Brown. I met a lady at church, and my minister had asked me to help with the, with the brick and mortar, their uh, gift store. Well, I didn't see any gifts in there to buy. I saw some books, but I didn't see anything that was worth buying. So, of course, I said, why don't I help you merchandise this, right? So, though, she's going to go online selling it at the church. And and again, she has an audience. Born Brown is a phenomenal website. And we're hoping to put our mass on the website there so that people can see the variety. But also they can attach it to their charity or their nonprofit and also their tribe, whatever they want to do. Or I'll do something custom. I just finished one for a wedding that was a black and white wedding out of an African cloth. So the sky's the limit because I think this is going to be around for a while. And I also thought if we benchmark with this, we're going to be known for making great products. And then you begin to introduce other things that people will love. Okay. I'm going to send you a soap that I wrapped it in the same cloth that I did your mask in. And I have a lavender soap. Lavender is very healing. And so, (laughs) I mean, it doesn't get any better than this for me. Okay. It is. (laughs) It's amazing. I want to, okay, I want to ask you all about your history because you, I know you're a marketing like guru genius. But before we go there, can you sort of walk us through, like you get an order for a mask, like what's Mm -hmm. the process? You get the order, what happens then? Currently, I'm not really getting orders and haven't been set up to do that online, okay? That's why Born Brown's going to be important. And then I have a relative who has a web page. I am just putting a kit together and a number to the mask. So I'm really not quite there yet. But but next time I talk to you, I will have something in place. So my email is going to be the best way to reach me. And then my order fulfillment will have all that in place. But I'm basically doing all this by hand and um, yeah. all the masks that I've sold. I've sold probably maybe 300 masks just, you know, and or given away maybe 300 too. That's amazing. <laughs> but so when people reach out to you and are like, can you make us masks for our wedding? Mm-hmm. You take that and then you go to your guy that does the sewing. What I do is I go, no, I go pick the fabric. Okay. okay. So I might go down to LA or I have a fabric store here. And yep. This lady rescues dogs. Okay. And she and I have now befriended each other. And so she has supplied me. I'll go in, pick the fabric, give them a sample of what I'm thinking about. Let's say your fabric for your wedding is you're doing a black and white wedding. I'm just using that. Or, uh-huh. So I will find lot, three, maybe three selections in black and white. I will send that to you. They'll say, I love it. And then we make the mask. And then I do a special one for the bride and groom. And this happened to be Afrocentric one. I will send you the pictures of those and probably we will put it online. And of course we do a bag, right? So that's it. That's amazing. That's so cool. And I know you've also done it for classrooms. Like people can sponsor a classroom, right? If they want. Oh, 
Now, see, this is the beautiful part of this. And, and that's where my heart is. It's how do we reach out to our community? Because I'm about community. That's the one thing you'll see in all of this to empower other people in their communities. So what happened is one of the people called me and said, I have a classroom in Missouri. I'm like, okay. And this teacher, I want to send her the mask. So we had the mask made for, uh, I think they were third graders. So my guy, Mr. Lou, made the mask for third graders and has space on it, right? Of course, we put it in our bag. So the teacher received that. And so her whole classroom of 30 kids, because the person sponsored, literally sponsored the mask. So we got our costs out of it and made a little profit. So I kind of think that's the way to go. And it's been so gratifying. And my son even came up with my grandsons in special needs school. They have 24 students and eight teachers and things. So he just sponsored a class. So I really, really want to do more of that. How to fundraise with it. That's first you get in and then you say, okay, now that we've done that, I know everyone's looking for money and they're always trying to raise money for fundraising. Why don't you use the mask and they can have a whole fabric that belongs to the school if that's what they want to do. Or they can do individual classes. Yeah. And so how are you keeping up? I mean, this is like a lot to sort of manage. How is it doing that all by yourself? I mean, do you need, what kind of help do you need? You know, I understand that there's a, that you can hire an assistant online. My tech ability after working for IBM and doing my fabulous career with IBM, I wanted to do my creative. So I've done nothing with it. And I'm, I'm not even embarrassed at this point. You know what? That's why they've got. ITs and people. <laughs> but yeah. I really have to get on board with that. But acro- around the corner from me, as I said, where I live in San Francisco is called a place called Renaissance. Renaissance is the incubator for startup businesses. They've not been open. And I just got in touch with her this week. And I'm going to see if I can partner with her to get the administrative support that I need for shipping and receiving and, and to set up an invoice system. Right now, I just do it all, but it comes from joy. That's, yeah. It's not, it's effortless. Yeah. <laughs> it really uh-huh. is. But as it grows, you can see where I need to take it. And I'm more than willing, you know? Yeah. It, I mean, it seems like it's growing. So let's just talk a little bit about your background because did ha- you worked at IBM. What did you do for IBM? Well, that was the, one of the best careers. I'm going to back up before IBM only because I yeah. kind of, I have been in sales all my life. My mother made artificial flowers and it out of uh, beautiful silk and it's called wood fiber and we sold in the neighborhood. So I've probably been selling since I was four. Hmm. And from there, I kind of always loved to sell. Now, my, do- my sister's an artist, so she never wanted to sell anything. She just wanted to make the flowers, <laughs> okay? But my mom then organized our whole neighborhood and all of our community to sell flowers. My mother in the fit made $5,000 in three months. So that always my entrepreneurial spirit, and that's where it comes from. So when I got the opportunity to go at IBM, of course, I didn't have a college degree. I had some college. They decided to put me on the switchboard. Okay, I don't know. I had good communication skills, but I don't know. So we were in a room about big as a closet and with the switchboards that you push in and out and all that. I stayed in there six months, and they had a horrible condition one night, and the manager said, this call has to go through. And so I got the call through, and the next day, the president of IBM came down. He said, whoever put that call through, I want to meet them. So I said, okay. So she sends me up to his office, and so 
I said, and I didn't even know his name, okay? And so yeah. he said, well, thank you for doing that. Da, 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 da. What do you want to do? I said, I don't know. What do you do? I might want to do what you do. I mean, that's how arrogant I was. <laughs> I love that. And I tell that part of the story because you never know where your good's going to come from. Okay? I always thought my career would I be in. And the reason I'm sharing that part with you is that he literally became my mentor. He wow. literally, well, because my work ethic, because of my people skills, and because I was articulate, and care, he put me in a position called guest services. Guest services is where all the muckety mucks came in from all over the world in our big data center. And we gave them tours of what IBM was going to do, right? Not what we were doing, but what we were going to do. And then I decided, well, I think young kids should know about this. And so we had 30 kids coming through our center every, oh, once a week. And by the time I finished, I had done 300 kids in a month. I was exhausted. So he then would have his kids come because he didn't want to watch them when his wife gave them to him. <laughs> and I would give them tours, right? So he said, well, MJ, what do you want to do? He called me back up to his office. And I said, I love what I do. I don't want to do anything different. Well, no, no, no. You need to do something different. I think you should go into sales. I think you should be a teacher because that's what you love. No, I don't think so. I'm very dyslexic and I don't think so. And I really never wanted to teach, okay? He said, no, no, no. I want you to go on this interview. No, I don't think so. No, you're going on this interview. So I go on the interview. And again, I'm not going to talk about prejudice and all of that. But this man that interviewed me did not like me. He didn't like my style. He didn't like my arrogance. He didn't like anything about me. Wow. And so I go in. Now, this is when we wore hat and gloves to interview, at least a hat. So I've got all that on, right? He looked at me. And now I'm furious because he just kept insulting me. Well, why should I hire you? You're not this. You're not that. And literally, that's what he kept saying to me. Wow. And I looked at him and I said, Mr. Miller, forget you. I said, I can sell. And I said, it'll just be your loss. So anyway, I go back and then Mr. Akers calls me back in. He said, how'd it go? Worst interview ever. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm saying my career at IBM was really, and he said, oh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I mean, I already knew I blew the interview, right? And, And I didn't want it anyhow, right? So anyway, Liz, the funny part about it, the funny part about it, was is I got the job and it was in office products right now prior to that two things happened they had introduced um, PCs and IBM really didn't want to be in the PC business so they were throwing away the the disk that you could reinitialize the equipment and I went to my manager and I said why are they throwing these away they're reusable I said will you help I'm not a writer I said why don't we write this up and I said we can save IBM some money So anyway, fast forward. Then we were also, you know, the ATM machine that we see on every corner now? Yeah. Okay. That was just being introduced in the data center. So I was showing people how great it's going to be to get money out of the cash, (laughs) out of the ATM. Now, do you think I believed it? (laughs) I had no idea. But I was showing kids how easy it was. Your parents won't be going to the bank. They'll just go up and get a machine, you know, press the machine and get money. And the store system with the barcode. So those are the things that I was showing people. And why I talk about my career with IBM is the vision that they had for things and the training that they gave me before I even met a customer. I couldn't go talk to a customer for a whole year until I knew, knew all the equipment. Wow. The training from 72 to 82 in my career at IBM is why I know that I'm the best at the best and was trained by the best company in the world. I, and, and I'm so grateful for that because I knew how to sell on the streets and not that. So this is easy for me, but really to have that training and pass it in, really be a great listener and see where the need is and fill it. That is what I learned from IBM and customer service. Wow. Did you end up working for that guy, Mr. Miller? 
for one year, he had to hire me because the president of IBM told him he had to hire me. Now, the reason I was telling you about Mr. Miller and I, which was a different division, okay, because I was in data processing, you know, the big, big, I was working with the big boys, right? But just giving tours. But he was just in office products. I didn't want to go work in office products, you know? I had to learn 57 pieces of equipment. So anyway, fast forward after going through training for a year, they send you to Dallas for six weeks to train before you ever see a customer. And that's what I mean about the training that IBM gave me, okay? Then, and I was so good that, do you know this electric typewriter when I say that? Because that might be before your time. But no, anyway, I remember, you, I remember the electric You remember it had a little ball, okay? You yeah. know, a little ball that you could change the element, right? So anyway, by the time I got to Dallas, I was so good that you're never supposed to get out of character when you're talking to a client. Well, they give you, your teachers come in because they're seeing if you really know this equipment. And so anyway, they said, okay, you're going to do this electric typewriter. I act like I'm a customer and don't get out of character. Boom. Okay. So anyway, I put the ball in and I pressed the button and it popped in the air and I grabbed it out of midair and I said, look at the versatility and you can just change it just as easy. The the teacher just took her head and shook and she said, pass. (laughs) So six weeks of training at IBM. So Mr. Miller had to then hire me and be in his office, be in his staff for for one year. Wow. So Mr. Miller also, when he gave me my promotion, <laughs> he also had to give me $5,000 because the disc that I had saved IBM, all of this money, which they give you a half a percent of what you saved them, had to give me a $5,000 check. Wow. <laughs> so from there, I basically had 10,000 customers and never a complaint because I had insurance companies. UCLA was my client. You had a, a territory and or a rep that very solely, but he, you really helped him sell it because you were a teacher, right? And you could tell people how to use the equipment and then train their staff to use the equipment. That was really my career at IBM. Wow. Great career, great time. And then they sent me to community to work with kids that were less fortunate, drug problems, living in the ghetto in Oakland and all that. And basically, I helped work in the Urban League Training Center. And it was sponsored by Urban League Training Center, IBM, and Kaiser. And that was a wonderful experience because you were really reaching back into the community. And that was pretty much my last opportunity with IBM. How long were you with IBM for? Ten years. 10 years and done, 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 because I always wanted to open my own clothing store. And so I opened a clothing store called Woman's Place Exchange with $50, okay, downtown Oakland. $50? How did you do that? Well, I had $50, but I also had a vision, right? And it was in a Victorian. And I decided, because I shopped at Lowman's and all the discount stores and, and knew the mart very well, that I could buy clothing and then just turn it, right? I mean, that's what I thought. And so anyway, what was fabulous about it was that nobody was coming down there like I wanted. So what I did is I had all these evening dresses, Dior, Valentino, and great stuff, and nobody was coming. So I started renting fur coats and things that I had out of people's closet. It was a consignment shop. Wow. And so they would rent, I call them Cinderella for a day. So for $100, instead of buying that $5,000 dress, why not wear it? Right, right, right. So that was huge. You know, that was when I knew I was really entrepreneurial because if you can step out there on faith after leaving IBM, and I knew I could sell, that wasn't the problem, but getting the customer and all that and being under finance. So that was a big deal. And from there, I never really looked back. Then I ran the California Mart, which is the clothing industry downtown. What's the California Mart? California Mart is the apparel mart where all the manufacturers have house and have their showrooms. Oh, gotcha. But I ran the facility. So I had 
one million square feet, and we had about, I would say, in of course, in one year, and fashion shows, and, and the audience comes in, you know, buyers and all of that. My, our staff, I had 100 on my staff that cleaned up and set up the rooms and did that and got ready for the, you know, whatever show was going on. So we probably did about 300 events in a year. Wow. Yeah, just stressful, 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 but love it, love it, love it, you know? Do you thrive off of stress? No, no, I don't. I thought I did. <laughs> because, yeah. you know, once you've done it so long, you think that that's the way it's supposed to be. But no, no, no. I thrive off of giving to the community. I still want to make enough and have what I need to be okay, which I'm at a whole different age, 76 years old. I'm not trying to do all that anymore. Been there, done that, got a t-shirt, done. <laughs> How can I make it peaceful, make a difference, enjoy my life, you know? Because yeah. no, I think I used to think I thrived off, you know, I, I think I probably thought that then you get in touch with your spirituality and you know what's my purpose what am, what am I here for yeah I mean and it's, I feel like we've talked about this before and sort of like how did those questions lead you did those questions lead you to doing mask in a bag and sort of getting involved in the community that way I think it's all part parcel I think it's all part of of the journey don't you I think it's all part of find and IBM talking this find a need and fill it that is all we all do. And the need was is for me to reach in my side myself and say, what can I do at this age to make a difference for myself and others? And when God blessed me with where I am living, and I'm telling you, it is fabulous. I mean, I live in the heart of everything. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, now that I'm here, what am I supposed to do? But mass in the bag is just the first thing we're going to do, okay? The food was the, because it now also feeds these neighborhood people. You know, I worked at Glide for free, okay? Glide feeds 5,000 people a week, okay? Or day sometimes. But the people on the street that I walk by every day, they're not going to Glide. They are the forgotten ones that have just been thrown away like the trash that they throw on the street. And to reach out to someone, someone and say, I care about you, I see you, and I acknowledge you, and would you like something to eat? It doesn't get any better than that. So I will always continue to feed the homeless. I mean, and how did your relationship with your homeless neighbors change? I mean, when they see you coming, you know, day after day, giving them sandwiches, I mean, how, how, has, you, how has that impacted that? I don't know because I don't know their names, but what I do know is the thankfulness that I feel that they just say thank you, even if they can look up that I made a difference. And remember, I'm doing six square blocks. So they see me and they acknowledge me. Sometimes they're verbal, sometimes they're not. It doesn't matter because it comes from a whole different place. Yeah. And you do it without, because again, I'm, you know, I'm up with mobility and kind of a snob and kind of a Pasadena girl. I mean, my mother didn't like that about me, but I kind of got my ways, right? But this has humbled me. This has changed me. Mm-hmm. That is why, why you do it. You don't do it for them. You do it for you. Mm-hmm. That's why we wear a mask. It's, it's the same thing. So to answer your question about the mask, isn't it the same thing? Don't I protect me and you? Yes. It's yeah. just another extension. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And next I'm, now I'm working with, and we'll talk about it another time, a whole other conversation. I'm meeting felons that are just getting out of out of prison. I'm working with one guy that's just doing men and he was incarcerated for 27 years. Okay. And they found that he wasn't guilty and he's opened three men's homes for men 
that have been incarcerated that are coming back, right? But who's doing anything for women? So, of course, across the street from me, they just brought all the COVID people over there. And I took some masks over there and met the lady that one of the ladies that's helping run it. And guess what? She's been incarcerated and living in a woman's home in Oakland. So guess what my next step is? How can I help empower women? My focus is more women and children and minorities than anything else. I have to say that. If you fit in that category and you're elder, then you got me, okay, for a minute. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if I can't do it, where are the resources or who do I know or how can I help you or be a spokesman or be a thing for you that can move you to your greatness, whatever your greatness is, because I'm not trying to do all this stuff. But if I can move you towards if you really want something, what would that look like? Mm-hmm. So there, there you go. So mass in the bag just fits right there. And, and believe me, I'm developing all kinds of different things for different people. And I want every artist that I know to make a million dollars so that they can do what they want to do. Mm, yeah, yes. Does that make sense? Yes. So if the mass makes a million dollars, I'm on to, okay, you're an artist over here. Now, what are you going to do? Okay, now let's put a structure behind what you're going to do without stifling you so that you can be successful. And I'm, I love housing. You know, I'm an interior designer too, okay? I worked for Roche-Bobois. Roche-Bobois is a high-end furniture store. I was selling $100,000 worth of living room furniture for three years, you know? I mean, and so when you work, I mean, and that was great because I just loved it. I mean, and again, I'm back to my rich and famous story. When the rich and famous do it, you know, everything else becomes a me too long after a while, okay? Because they can afford anything. So they were buying this furniture. And I'm like, Y'all buying $100,000 for a living room? I don't think so. Of course, they've been knocked off since then and all that, but I learned a lot, okay? How they think, how they buy, you know, what they buy. And then it's just like playing the stock market, quite frankly, you know? Wow. You've had such an interesting career doing so many amazing things, you know, so entrepreneurial, you know, selling how you love to sell. I mean, how many ideas a day do you get? It seems like you get a lot of ideas. I think they're all part and parcel because I never know who I'm going to meet. Now, I think at this age, I'm not worried about what I'm going to do because I'm going to do whatever spirit tells me I'm going to do. It's not about my idea. If I can help you develop yours, because if I meet you, I'll go, well, why did I meet her? Yeah. What what is he trying to do? What is he trying to do? You know, I'm not so interested. I've been blessed beyond measure to have great parents. I have a great sister who's a fiber artist. I don't need to do anything else other than what I'm supposed to do. And I tend to think it's more inspiring other people to do what they need to do. Mm -hmm. And so the idea is you tell me the idea. Now, I might come up with 50 things that, hey, have you thought about this is this, if you're willing to listen. If not, it's okay, too. Right. So you meet somebody and then you feel like sort of spirit moves you about the person and what they want to do. And you sort of say, well, they'll oh. tell me. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I meet people in the fabric store, right? And they're just trying to do X, Y, Z. One girl had made a cute little dress that looked like Mickey Mouse. Absolutely charming. Right. Mm-hmm. Look, young African-American girl that lives in Oakland area, Vallejo. And I said to her, I said, what are you doing? She said, why making clothes for people? And I said, did you make that? She said, yeah. I said, I'd love to talk to you. Do you want your own business? And so I made an appointment with her and I'm going to meet her, you know, in two weeks. Wow. That's what I mean. It's that we're here to give and to be of service, right? Mm-hmm. So how do we make it a world that works for everyone? Mm-hmm. And if we've lived here this long and we're okay and know how blessed we are, we're here to serve now. Wow. Yeah. I love it. I love it. 
I mean, so it's it's really back to your mask question. It's mask in a bag, and then what's next? And then you know, I do want to be. And what I love about Born Brown is that they're going to do some things with a brick and mortar store. But to take that, here's my goal. I'm going to say this and just put it out there. My goal for Born Brown, based on their vision and what they're doing, is to be as big as Amazon in five years. From my lips to God's ears, let's do it. And to find the talent for minorities so that they can empower themselves, all minorities and all people, to show them how to fish. And when they know, and see, Liz, you get to do what you're doing, okay, because I can't do that. But to have a network of people that are the best at what they do, that's what I believe in. That's what IBM did. And that's what I'm about, okay? That's fantastic. I love it. Yeah. I mean, Born Brown is growing by the day. It's very exciting. Everybody listening can go to the website, bornbrown.us, in the show notes. And yeah, I mean, MJ, you're incredible. It's so great to know you and to like start to get to know you and everything that you're doing. And the masks are beautiful. And if somebody was interested in contacting you, what's the best way? MJ Richardson, 075 at gmail.com okay or they can call me on my phone number 415-963-2114 all right there you go there you have it direct line to mj richardson any final thoughts or or insights or anything else you want to share this has been well i just want to share with you thank you for thinking about me and i feel even more empowered and more inspired based on talking with you today because i really never think about this on a whole nother level you, you just do but i just know that you're part of a world that works for everyone so i so celebrate you thank meeting you. you and talking with you so thank you thank you so much mj it was a pleasure okay thanks everyone Conversations is produced by Rhino Girl Media, a communications consulting company. To advance or evolve your next communications project, check out my website, rhinogirlmedia.com, or contact me at liz at rhinogirlmedia.com. You can always follow me on Instagram at Gold. And if you like this podcast, please leave a review, share it, or send me some love. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Mm-hmm.